Amen. If you have your Bibles, open them to 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to be honest with you tonight. I'm, uh, I'm up here just waiting on the Lord. He's given me a verse. He hasn't given me a sermon. <laughs> so it could be really short tonight or uh, <laughs> who knows. No, I, I have a, I know what he wants to do. I just, he just has me kind of in a vulnerable place up here, but that's good. So 1 John chapter 4, I'm going to read the verse, chapter, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. It's one that I'm sure all of us have heard, or at least most of us. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. I'm going to read it one more time. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. Who likes that verse? It's a good verse, right? It sounds awesome. No fear in love. It's my perfect love cast out fear. I, I, I've always liked that verse, and that's one of those ones that's on book car, you know, book, bookmarks, and it'll be on little social media posts and all these things. There's no fear in love. Perfect love cast out fear. But I kind of had a problem with it, and it was something I don't think I let myself express for a long time. But it was just kind of like, you know what? I believe perfect love cast out fear, but I have fear, and I can't seem to find how it's going to get cast out. Does anybody relate with that? I was kind of like, I would read it. I was, I've read this so many times. There'd be times I'd just read it like 80 times, just over and over. Read it in my mind. And it's like, when are you going to zap me with perfect love? Like, I was just kind of like, come on, hit me with it. Free me of fear. Does anybody relate to that? Just doesn't it cast out fear? I need this perfect love. And I had a very passive understanding of how to approach this. It was kind of like this transaction to me, like, I give you money and you give me a product at a store, right? It was like kind of give me, I'll give you fear, you give me perfect love, or maybe you give me perfect love, I'll give you fear. And really, the Lord, I'm digging back into the archives tonight, FYI, um, really to, to probably seven years ago is where I'm, I'm preaching out of. But uh, I'm, I'm searching and I'm, I was digging and I just was like, okay, where, when's this fear going to go away? When is this perfect love going to come do what it, the word says it's going to do? And I had a revelation that basically I'm, I was extremely passive in the way that I understood this. I basically looked at it that God is perfect love. He needs to give me perfect love and then somehow I'll get free from fear. And I removed my own responsibility from this reality that perfect love is, is a two-way street. Perfect love is something that it's cultivated from both sides of the equation. Perfect love, I have a, a, a responsibility in, in this, uh, really this space that God's, that I need to journey in, into perfect love. Like I need to go somewhere. I need to walk into that. And I have this responsibility that if I don't do it, I'm just going to kind of be sitting there waiting for God to zap me, but he doesn't want to zap me because he's drawing me into his love, right? Like just like a marriage, you're not just, Zapped with love, right? Put that ring on her finger and we're zapped. We're good. No, like you're growing into perfect love. 
And fear infects us. It affects the wounds. That's where it attacks. You get wounded in life, and fear will then enter in, and it enters in through a lie, right? Something happens, uh, uh, you know, you get rejected, you're in a vulnerable place, and what's the messages that you can start picking up? You're not worthy. You're not lovable. You're, you're messed up. Like, all these lies attack us in our vulnerabilities in these places that we get wounded. So fear comes, we get wounded, like, all the time throughout our life, right? There's two types of trauma that we can experience. One would be uh, type A trauma, which is actually things that are withheld from you. So they're things that you need desperately, but you don't get given to you. Uh, a classic one for this would be if you are raised without a mother or without a father for whatever reason, um, that's a type A trauma. That is a trauma. You need the affection of a mother and the affection of a father. And if you do not have that, that is a trauma and actually a wound that is being inflicted to you. And in that place of wounding and vulnerability, you get lied to, and we don't, we get lied, 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 and lies create fear, and, and fear has this place in our heart. Uh, type, that's type A trauma. Type B trauma would be things that are done against you that cause wounds, right? Um, you get punched in the face. Boom. Type B trauma. That hurts, right? You get rejected by someone. You go through things. Like, how much of life is full of what I just described? How much trauma is there out there? How much trauma, if we're being honest, can there be in here? Can I get an amen? Right? Like, there is trauma. Why? Because we're broken people. There's a lot of brokenness in life. There's pain. There's wounds. Even, like, how many parents have you messed up and hurt your kids? Yeah, you better be raising your hand, Mom. Get that high. Get that real high. I'm still in counseling. No, I'm just joking. Right? But it's not because of a lack of love for your children. It is because we're broken and we're working this out. We're still maturing and growing into perfect love. But that's where fear gets its hold. Right? And the deeper the wound, the, the deeper uh, the lie can affect our lives. And about uh, really... Probably eight and a half, nine years ago, almost now, uh, I, I started a journey of really awakening to God. And in that journey, I, I, um, a, a huge aspect of that was a very deep wound in a very traumatic season of my life that was extremely, extremely painful. And it was a ripping and a pulling apart, and, and some very um, deep wounds were um, in, incurred in, in within me. So a lot of type B trauma that actually then awakened a lot of type A trauma that I didn't realize I never had until I, so it was complicated, it was messy. Um, but I realized uh, there, was, there was this uh, painful, painful, very painful season where it was like the sword pierced my soul. And uh, I kind of, when that happens, we have these beautiful things actually that are gifts called defense mechanisms. Who has defense mechanisms? Can we get some amens? Can I get some hallelujahs, right? Defense mechanisms, they, they can be abrasive. They can be... Uh, not very good for relationships, right? Like if you're with someone that's very defensive, it's hard to have hard, difficult communication, right? Like you can't really have conflict very well because it's like, boom, right? Porcupine comes out. Boom. Like, oh, ow, ow, ow. I was just wanting to have coffee, right? Who's had that experience? I have. I, I used to think I had a spiritual gift of triggering people. I was like, Lord, 
this isn't very fun. Why do I make him so uneasy? Um, that was probably because I was stupid, saying stupid stuff. But um, we have defense mechanisms. Defense mechanisms are actually things we learn in deep trauma, and they help us stay alive. Right? Craziness is going on in your world, and I, I, I put these, I have these ways to protect myself so that I can stay alive. Right? And we kind of build these walls. And, and, and when all the chaos is going, it's like we're, we're surviving, we're staying alive until the storm can cease. Right? Who relates to that? We don't act the same in intense times of trauma. And I went through, it was about an 18 months of very, very traumatic experiences for me. And I hunkered down um, and I got into, I, I made my, my safe places. And I found my ways to express and find my pain and, and just stay alive, really, um, doing my best to stay alive. And I really didn't want to through a lot of that. It wasn't suicidal, but I sure didn't want to be here because it sucked. But I stayed alive. Fast forward down that, it's now um, life circumstances are changing. Storms going, passing, things are kind of calm. It gives me this kind of hunker out look. Okay, it seems okay, but I'm still a little uneasy now. And I have these defense mechanisms still. Um, there was a day, a defining day, and it was, it was actually, it was seven years ago uh, this weekend, this very, this very Sunday, but it was like a different Sunday, this very weekend. Um, and I was actually... Uh, the Lord met me on top of a mountain at sunrise um, that I had hiked with a perfect stranger. It's a long story that it's not worth going into tonight. Um, but God met me on that mountain, and I had a revelation, and he, and he spoke to me. And I'll share this part because it is relevant, but I don't do heights. If you know me, I really don't like heights. They make me very uncomfortable. And we were climbing this mountain, and uh, the it's really like a real one. I thought it was like a hike. It turned into like, we are climbing a mountain, and it's, and, uh, it's winds whipping, and we're kind of get to this point where all of a sudden, like, we're climbing, like, really climbing up things, and I'm like, dude, I didn't, <laughs> did not sign up for this. Like, we are really high right now, and we kind of get up to this, like, ledge, and there's like this, like, this far across, like, ledge, and it's like, that far, put your feet on it. And he's like, yeah, we got to go across this. And I was like, oh, no. And I think he saw it in my eyes because my eyes were like, and I'm looking down. It's like 20 feet straight down. And like we're like way on top of the world. And the peak of the mountain's just up there. And I'm like, and he looked at me. He's like, you afraid of heights? And I was like, yep. And uh, he goes, okay. He's like, look down. So I'm like, He's like, if you slip, that's where you're going to fall to. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And he goes, but the, it wasn't like sheer. It was like a pretty a little slant. And he's like, so if you start falling, he's like, press your whole body against the rock. He's like, it will scrape you up and you'll get real bloody. But it'll probably slow you down enough so you won't break your legs. <laughs> Dude, you're not helping me right now. But he looks at me. I'll never forget this the rest of my life. He said, Jordan, put your hands where I put my hands. Put your feet where I put my feet. I'm going to get you to the top of this mountain. So literally, I was like, <laughs> just like, just like watching this man, putting everything, you know, right where he was doing it. My heart is like 
speeding. Literally, the sun's like rising over the horizon. I'm like, this is kind of crazy. And he gets me across, grabs my hand, pulls me across the last bit. We climb up the last like 100, 100 yards. We get to this top of this mountain. And the Spirit of God comes over me. This is, after, this is after an intensely traumatic season of life where I did not know what was going on, but I was doing my best to survive. And the Spirit of God comes over me, and Jesus says, Jordan, what, Mark was the guy's name, he said, what he was to you this morning. He said, I've been with you this whole time. And this dude had carried the bag. He'd led me through the wilderness, like literally in the middle of the pitch black night of the winter in the California mountain range. And led me to that place, but he, the Lord spoke, and he admonished me, and he just said, Jordan, you're full of fear, and he said, and it's time for you to go back and face every fear, he said, put your hands where I put my hands, put your feet where I put my feet, I'm going to get you to the top of this mountain, and I just began to weep, and he, he put something in me, um, this hunger for freedom that's never left, and it's been seven years, almost to the day. Um, there was a cry that I recognized my life was full of fear, and, I, and I, it was just like, God, I might not be anything else in this life, but I will be free. And I don't care if, I don't care if I'm nothing else, but I will be a free man. I came back, we were actually on a retreat, we came home, and I walked into a class the next day. If we have the video, we can load it right now. I walked, literally, I had a, it was this big convocation with like maybe a few hundred kids. I walked in, and I literally sat down, and this is what was playing, and it pierced my heart, and I, I want to play it. This is, st- pause. Go back a little bit. I'm going to preface it. This is the Lion King. <laughs> um, this is the Lion King, and if you know the story of the Lion King, this this Simba, he is this king's son, and uh, he the, he he has um, some big trauma, some type B trauma. His dad dies, and he he runs away, and he's living the Hakuna Matata, right, over in the jungle, living this high life. Um, kind of just like living over there and he's never going to go back and this is Rafiki 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 he's trying he's playing like like a like the prophet basically trying to get him to go back and no no one can convince him to go back um and this is this is the night that he realizes he needed to go back so you can play the clip he lives in you go back like 15 seconds Just my reflection. No. Look hard. You see, he lives in you. How can I go back? I'm 
get emotional um, every time I listen to that because that day um, I walked in as a freshman in college and I sat down and those words literally pierced my heart like a sword and you know you've forgotten me no how could I you've forgotten who you are and so you've forgotten me go back go back and claim who you are Go back and find who you are. And I realized in that moment that I had gone through this trauma and I'd put these walls up and it kept me alive. But all the trauma had left and I was now progressing with my life, but I still had all these walls up. And the trauma was gone, fear, but I still had all these walls up and I was suffocating in a cage of self-protection and fear. And I knew why I didn't want to go back. It was because I was scared to go back. I was scared because when I got hurt, it wasn't just like, it wasn't, I wasn't looking at it as a, as a man. I was looking at it as this little lion cub who was running away from all these hyenas. And the Lord said, you're running from the wolves of your past. He said, and they want to kill you and they want to keep you over here just doing your life, staying at this level. He said, but I am the lion of the tribe of Judah and I live inside you. And he said, go back. Go back and face your fear and remember who you are. You're my son. Like, you're my son. You need to know. And I was just, like, undone. I was like, I don't know what to do. Back-to-back days with these. This is crazy. On a mountaintop one morning, this is the next morning. And I just was at this place where it's like, okay, God, what the heck does this look like? What does it mean to go back? What does it mean to face my fears? How do I find the strength? How, what questions do I ask? I do, all I know is I'm terrified, and I know it. And, and the more I reflected and the more I pondered, I realized that, that, yes, these defense mechanisms kept me alive. But they were never meant to sustain me. And I realized that they kept me. I was just, I was a runner. I wanted to run, run from my pain. Literally, I started running. I started running marathons. I started doing triathlon. I started, it was like my physical expression of what I was doing on the inside. I ran, ran, ran. I would do anything to run, and I didn't want to go there. I'd, anything to keep me from going back. And I realized I wasn't running from the pain anymore because the pain had subsided. I was running from fear. I was running like a dog from fear, and I was bound. And uh, what began to transpire was a process in my life where uh, there was not, it was not an external fix to perfect love. It was him drawing me in to what union with the Father looks like and to what perfect love looks like. And he began to pull me, literally pull me, and begin to take hours of my life and hours of my day. Um, and, and my life began to be consumed with knowing perfect love, the person, Jesus Christ. 
And what I would find is that as I would go and as I, I had to learn how to connect in prayer because I had prayed up until this point, but I had prayed just enough to, to think that he would bless me in my life. He would bless my hakuna matata. Right? Ain't no worry. I don't know to your days, right? It's a problem-free philosophy. Hakuna matata. That's what I wanted. Oh, I went through hell. You know what I want now? A good life. Bless me. Bless me with what I'm supposed to do. Bless me. Show me what I'm supposed to do when I graduate. Show me what my calling is. Show me, show me, show me. It's like, show me what the humakuna matata is. You said there's good things. You said you make beauty from ashes. So I've got lots of ashes. Show me what the beauty is. It was this external, external. Show me where I'm going to find purpose and meaning and, and problem-free philosophy. And so I prayed enough for that, but I didn't pray enough to actually know perfect love in this deep, connected way. And I knew I was afraid now, and I couldn't get that out of my mind. And so I knew that that prayer had to change and prayer began to change and God began to speak a different language and I had to start doing the work of realizing, well, I can only go this far with you. So you know why, Jordan? Because your defense mechanisms aren't just keeping them out. They're keeping me. Because you don't know me as your protector. You don't know me as, as your father. You don't know me. You've forgotten me in your trauma. You've forgotten me. Okay. What do I pray now? More time. More time. More wrestling. More questions. That would start taking me back. Taking me back to memories of pain. Why am I crying right now, Lord? Everything's happy. Why am I crying? Because your soul's in pain. Why are these things... Why did someone say that? And why did it make me so angry I wanted to kill them? Because there's pain. Because there's something not right in you. There's this world that you have yet to discover, Jordan. Inside of you, you don't know yourself. You don't know me. More time. More time. More time. Give me more time. Give me more time. Started looking like things. Like I remember the Lord started putting on in my heart, sing to me. I said, I don't really like singing in church. Sing to me. I don't know how to sing. Sing to me. Literally, okay, I love you, Jesus. Yeah. All by myself, feeling like naked. Sing to me. Sing to me. Okay. I remember it was, we had a little prayer chapel in our house. I remember uh, no one was home. I didn't want anybody to hear me, God forbid. <laughs> Sing to me. And I just began singing my heart to God. And I was like, whoa, what was that? That's intimacy. That's intimacy. And when you're vulnerable with me, you give me access to come and remove the pain and remove the layers. I remember that started going. All of a sudden, I knew. I knew how to sing. I remember there was a little, little dinky piano at this chapel at my college. And I don't know how to play. I don't know how to play piano. And the Lord say, play for me. Play for me. I spent so many hours banging on those keys, trying to put my heart to something because I wanted to know perfect love. And I would play for Jesus, I'd play for him ugly music, but he liked it. 
I'm pretty sure. I remember when it got past that, he said, I want you to dance for me. Oh, boy. That was a big one. That's, I don't even like to confess this one. Um, still, they'd say, dance for me. I want you to dance for me. Oh, my gosh, that was uncomfortable. Man, this is not in front of people either. This is all by my lonesome, feeling like an idiot. And it was like, <laughs> no, I want you to dance for me. And I'd read about David undignified in his loincloth worshiping the Lord. And I remember, I remember specifically the moments where I would do it and I would have my breakthrough and I would dance before Jesus with all of my heart until I was sweat drenched and feeling like an idiot, but something inside me coming alive. You need to know me. This is a romance. This isn't a rule book. This isn't a religion. This isn't a checklist. This is a love affair with the king of lovers. And I begin to find new language. I begin to find union. I begin to find that, that then from this place of cultivated intimacy, he would say, okay. He would orchestrate circumstances. They would literally come right into my life and say, now it's time to go kill Goliath. Go, you got it. Go face it. Go do it. Do it like my son would, because you are my son. And, and I would find it, and I would step into, boom, breakthrough. Breakthrough, outside, in real life. And I would find that the same place where I was terrified, all of a sudden, I would be at peace. And there is nothing on this earth that's more gratifying than that feeling. That is when you embody, I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. And your intimacy with him begins to translate into victory in the world. Right? And it doesn't just translate for your own personal victory because I quickly found that my personal victory, I would then share it and people would come into it and it became their victory. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. You're telling me that like, all fruitfulness really does flow from intimacy? It does. Uh, and the deeper that he's taken me into union, the deeper it's, it's more. It's always, it's more. It's more. It's more. It's a life of learning to love him. It's a life of learning to grow into what is union? What is perfect love? Who are you? What are you like? What's the intonation? You know, a prayer that I pray is, I want to know the intonation of your voice. I want to know you so well that I know when, when you're grieved, that I know when you're happy, that I know when you're so excited that there's something you want to share. I want you to become real to me in the same way that you're real to me, that you're real to me, that I look at you and I see you and you're a person. I want to know you so that you're more than just that, that you're, that that I know you so intimately, right? Like you, the people you know, you, you feel them out like that, right? I want to be like that with Jesus. I want to be so connected to perfect love that I am free of fear. And uh, I will confess before you all right now, I'm not. The Lord's been dealing with me even this week. There is fear of man in me that wants to hide and lurk into little shadows of my soul. But I... The mandate's still the same as it was 
seven years ago on that mountain, I will be free. I will be free, and it is not by some act of my striving. It is not by me conjuring up this great courage to go chase it all down and be some kind of champion. It's, it's this broken down place of just learning to go in to the heart of God. Why am I saying all of this? Uh, the Lord has, there's times where he, he, he comes and he rests upon me with the burden of his heart. And he, he's been resting upon me. And the burden is this. He said, Jordan, my people who are called by my name, they don't know how to pray. And I, I'll unpack that. I don't believe that all prayer is the same. I hear people say this, and it honestly drives me insane. They say, you know what? You know, prayer has nothing to do with church growth because every church prays. And I'm like, okay, that's true. Every church prays. But everyone in this room has experienced different types of prayer. And you've been in times where you feel like it's da-da-da-da-da, write my checklist, okay, mail that off. Hopefully God will get that sometime in the next few weeks. You know, he is, Jesus is in the room. And I'm connecting to what he is saying. And I'm experiencing his bleeding, passionate heart of intercession over a city and over a people. And his love is transforming me. And, and I'm not looking at the clock for how much time. I'm, I'm, trying, I, I'm lost in love with Jesus. There's a difference. Not all prayer is the same. And honestly, my soul has been grieved because it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I'll hear them. Then I'll heal their land, which is AKA bring transformation that changes people and, and cities and nations and government and, and, and people, oh, America's lost. America's over the top. Trump's going to screw everything up. You hear all this. No, no, and God's just saying, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and repent and seek my face, then I will hear them from heaven and I'll turn and I will heal their land. Is that true? That's more true than any government can do, right? Like, we, we're talking about God, the star breather, who spoke the universe into existence, who's orchestrating galaxies. They're all doing crazy stuff. And we're talking about a, a, a nation that's not very big to him. But he has chosen in his sovereignty to leave space for his people to come and co-labor with him. He doesn't like to operate outside of you. Sometimes we think it's like God's like, answer this prayer, Lord, do it. God's like, you're the answer. And I don't like it when people say, you know, if it's the Lord's will, it'll happen. Oh Lord, if it's your will, change our nation. And God's going, are you serious? Was the cross not enough to show you what my will is? Daniel, in Daniel 10, he's reading. It's 70 years after Israel's been exiled. And that's the 
traumatic, devastating event. Like the temple gets destroyed. They're the center of their religion where the very presence of God, everything's just broken. And then Jeremiah prophesies this great oracle of hope. And he says, behold, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. And he begins to prophesy and say, in 70 years, I'm going to bring you back to the land and I'm going to restore your fortunes. And I'm going to, there's going to be the voice of the bride and the bridegroom. There's going to be weddings again and you're going to buy land again and there's going to be rejoicing in the streets of Jerusalem and it's this it's this this is literally he's prophesying as it's being burned this is what the Lord's going to do and they're all gone it's this empty barren dilapidated land the economies are down they don't even have artifacts from this whole 70 year period because it was wrecked in Israel and Daniel is this, this captive in Israel. And he says, I was, I was reading one day, and I was reading the book of Jeremiah, and I perceived that in the book it said that the length of days, the 70 years, had passed. And he goes, so I humbled myself, and I prayed, and I fasted in sackcloth and ashes, and I began, basically, he began crying out to see the will of God come to earth right it wasn't like dang it's time praise the lord if it's your will let it happen lord no he took it upon himself god in the space he stepped up into the game and he entered in and he got the very heart of God and he began interceding and praying. And that's these times where it says all this warfare and all these things happening. And you know what the answer to Daniel's prayer was? You know what happened? People still don't know how to figure it out. But Cyrus, a king of another nation, said, hey, I'm going to send all the Jews back and I'm going to give you all the money back and I'm going to give you all the money you need to build the whole temple again. That doesn't happen very often in ancient Near East history with empire builders, right? But God stirs upon the heart of a king because the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. But when he prayed, the, the earth shut, the heavens shut, and there was no rain for three years, and he prayed again, and the rain came. He was a man with a nature like ours. But he also knew how to enter in and gut heart hold of the heart of God and and I have a burden that we if we just right here if we could capture the heart of God if we could go that deep into this place of union with him we could pray heaven down and see a city transform and a nation transformed and 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 Jesus get his reward Amen. Because God responds to prayers. It's, our, it's like our main purpose. And why? I don't know. I'll ask him when we get there. Why, why didn't you just do it all yourself? I think it's because he wants his kids to have purpose, to have identity, to have a calling. Even like, why did Gabriel, why did Gabriel come and tell, he told, um, John the Baptist's dad. What's his name? Zacharias. There we go. Uh, you know, Gabriel came and said, hey, you're going to have a son. He's going to be named John. Why, why Gabriel? Why would Gabriel go and do it? Why wouldn't God just come and say, 
Behold, Zacharias, you're going to have a son. Because in God's ways, he likes to empower people, including angels. Gabriel, you stand in my presence. That's what he says. Now, go give him the message. Gabriel's like, yes, this is what I was made to do. Deliver the messages of God, right? Like God is, is he loves to, he's, he's a team builder. He's a people person. He wants everyone to be powerful. He wants everyone to be used. It's not about one. It's not like, I am God. Everything is about me. I will do it all. It's not how he does it. He wants his people to be used. And in that, he's created this place for human responsibility within the context of his sovereignty, that his will will be accomplished. Amen? What that will require on our part, and this is where I'm going to take us. This will be, I don't know how, much, how many weeks or what. As you can tell, I'm not the most structured individual. Praise God for that. But I want to take through, there's, there's many forms of prayer. There's intercession. There's uh, personal devotion. There's learning to receive from his heart. There's uh, prayer ministry where you're ministering over someone else. There's a lot of facets to prayer. And I think sometimes we think of prayer as like this one word that, kind of covers all, and it is. It's a very comprehensive term. So I really, I want to create this and, and define it and educate on us in a sense, but also uh, lead us into the place of deep connection with Jesus. Does that sound good? Um, what that then means for you all is that the Lord is going to, it's gonna, it, you're going to have to go deeper than you've gone. Bottom line. Like it's gonna it's gonna say, okay, there's more. There's a greater space. And I'm right there with you. I wanna go deeper. I wanna know his heart more. I wanna get into a place in the spirit that I've never been. I wanna be a true intercessor. And and there are some people, I will clarify, that have specific calls of intercession on their lives, but we all have the role and the duty to be intercessors. Right? So some people it's it's more um it's more of a gifting, just like some people have called to be a pastor, but we're all called to be intercessors, and we all have access to the very throne of heaven to pray and to be used to see his kingdom come, and it's amazing. Uh, but it will require, you're going to have to look at some fear. You're going to have to journey into deeper love because it's, um, it's not about need. It's not about, oh, I look out and I see so much need and suffering, so I'm just going to pray. That's not where it flows from. It flows from intimacy. You get in, he breaks your heart. Then you pray out. So we'll get into dynamics. We're going to do a lot of teaching and look at this stuff. Um, but the whole goal is perfect love. It's a fearless people that know how to pray fearless prayers. It's a fearless people that know how to love and live, just like what Sherry was saying this weekend. It's love. we got a journey into love. And the Lord, I just believe, is taking us there in a very marked and tangible way. Amen. So I just want us to stand, um, and I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll open up for ministry time, too. And uh, Kim, Matisha, Brittany, you can come up and be on ministry team as well if you, if you so desire um, after this. And then uh, I think we have one more song as well. Lord, I thank you that we are more than what we've become. 
and that that's not condemnation. That's your conviction inspiring us that there is more. There's more of you. There's more of your presence. There's more of your power. There's more of your purity. That there is a deeper place of intimacy for us. We want to know perfect love. We want to, we want to, God, I want us to kill, we want to kill all the Goliaths in our lives, Lord, but we find our empowerment in intimacy. David was trained watching those sheep all alone, where I'm sure he learned to express his psalms unto the Lord. God, I thank you that the secret place Lord, is the most dynamic place in this life. And the upside-down kingdom, the small place of confinement, is what leads to the place of endless possibilities. God, I pray that you grow the secret place in this church. I pray that you confront the fear in our hearts, God. I pray that we will not run and settle for a superficial hakuna matata spirituality and Christianity, but that we are and so full of a holy discontentment that we are the sons of the living God and the daughters of the living God, and we have a place and we have we have a throne that you've given us, God. You've seated us in Christ in heavenly places. You made us for more. You made us more than conquerors. Greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. Greater are you, God, and you've called us by name, and we can do all things through you who strengthen us, and nothing can come against us, and nothing can separate us from your love. So God, I pray that you just draw us into the depths of the secret place with you, that you give us your heart, and that you teach us how to pray so that your prayer can be answered through our lives and through our prayers that your kingdom will come and that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven God it's not just an ethereal good idea God it is the reality of what you are longing to bring in this city longing to bring in the nations of the earth and it is through your people may we be a people who know how to enter into your heart who have cultivated the hours and the hours and the hours it takes to know you in the fullness of who you are so that we can see your kingdom come God There's no fear in love, because perfect love casts out fear. God, let your perfect love encounter us in your perfect love tonight. Only you, Jesus, only you can transform the heart. Only you have the love that overcomes fear. Only you, God, it's only you, and we want you. So God, we're done retreating. Lord, and I'm ready to go after your heart. So take us there as a body. Make us one in the deep communion that you had, Jesus, with your Father when you would spend all night with him in prayer because you're so full of a holy love. Fill us with that same holy love, God. You live inside of us, Jesus, and you are consumed with love for your Father and love for your people. May we be the intercessors that bridge your world to this one. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.